from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Bouncer back toward the middle, leaking into center field, a base hit. Pache's coming home, the throw to the plate, not in time! The Phillies are going back to the postseason. The rookie, Johan Rojas, with an RBI single here in the bottom of the 10th inning. They win it 3-2, back-to-back appearances in the postseason. Johan Rojas, Damian Lillard, they're pretty much the same, right? They're pretty much in the headlines nationally today. It was kind of a toss-up. Which one do we lead with? A kid who started his season in double-A and winds up dancing in the outfield, sending his team to the postseason, or a guy who's wanted to be traded for the last three months and finally got his wish today. A little bit of a toss-up there. And we chose Johan Rojas and the fighting fills of Red October. One of two teams to clinch postseason berths. Last night, the Milwaukee Brewers clinched the National League Central thanks to a horrific error in the Chicago Cubs game in which the Atlanta Braves came from six runs down in a game that meant absolutely nothing to them and everything to the Cubs, same old Cubs, and beat those little Bears 7-6. to six. Well done, A.J., well played. So now we can have a little bit of inside radio. And for the last hour, A.J. has been texting and talking to me and going through our pre-show production meeting about which soundbite of Damian Lillard to use on the open, even going so far as the music was playing to say, the Damian Lillard clip is 30 seconds, Bob. 30 seconds. Be ready. I'm assuming the Johan Rojas clip was 30 seconds. It's just that the subject matter was off a little bit. Well played, AJ. I took one for the team. <laughs> Do you actually have a Damian Lillard soundbite though? Uh, yeah, I, I had a couple, but uh, <laughs> no, I was no, I was I was didn't definitely play the Phillies clinching. Uh, now, if you can find "Dancing on My Own," which has become their unofficial official clubhouse theme song that they played all through last year's run to the World Series, then you'd really be my hero. We have all been in su- in such sync. Matt uh, told me to put that in Zeta, like, right before you came on. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So it was blaring all over the place last night. Loudspeakers throughout the stadium in Philadelphia, the clubhouse, all the bars, all of that. Hey, but the magic number now is 13 for Philadelphia. 13 is the magic number. For Atlanta, it's 11. 11 for Atlanta, 13 being the number of wins the Phillies need or any wild card team needs to win the World Series. Got to win two in the wild card round. You got to win three in the divisional round. That gets you to five. You got to win four in the league championship series. That gets you to nine. And you got to win four in the World Series. That gets you to 13. Atlanta, of course, will not play in the wild card series. So they need only 11 wins 
to capture the World Series or any of the other divisional winners that don't participate in the wild card would need 11. All right, enough of that for the moment. We can put that on the back shelf momentarily. We will get back to it. Yes, I was watching last night. Yes, I was giddy when the Phillies clinch back-to-back postseasons now, and they're going to take somewhat the same route that they took last year, only that they'll have the wild card games at home instead of on the road in St. Louis where they started the whole run last season. They'll either get Arizona, San Diego, uh, Arizona, Chicago, or Miami in the wild card round. And, hey, uh, let me just say this before we get to the Damian Lillard stuff. Kudos to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, winning last night one to nothing just hours after the news broke. And I think it broke right after we went on the air, off the air, literally right after we went off the air last night about the passing of Brooks Robinson, Mr. Oriole, the Hall of Famer, 86 years old, passed away uh, late yesterday afternoon, uh, or at least the announcement was made late yesterday afternoon. As I said, he was 86. You know, they've got the statue of him out in front of Camden Yards. He played his entire career with the Orioles, 23 years, um, won a couple of World Series, 1966 against the Dodgers, and 1970 against Cincinnati, which is one of the great single individual performances of any player in the World Series in that one against Cincinnati. And to a man and to a woman and to a person, Everyone pretty much echoed what Jim Palmer, the Hall of Fame pitcher, said about him. Great player, great guy on the field, great guy off the field. And everybody said that. Went on to say Brooks was a genuine person. There was no acting. Brooks was just a genuine person. 18 All-Star games, MVP in 64. Um, of course, the gold glove. He kind of coined the phrase human vacuum cleaner at third base. Had made several appearances in Richmond. I had crossed paths with him briefly. He was a spokesman for the old Crown Petroleum, Crown Oil, which I don't even think is in existence anymore. And they were a major partner and sponsor with the old Richmond Braves. And he would make appearances in Richmond from time to time for several seasons. So that was my brush with fame and greatness with Brooks Robinson. And, again, did all the interviews that were ever asked of him and absolutely one of the great players in Major League Baseball history and will forever be remembered as Mr. Oriole in Baltimore. And only appropriate that they would win a one to nothing defensive struggle last night against their Rivals, their beltway rivals, the Washington Nationals, as the Orioles look to clinch the American League East. And I don't know, maybe there'll be some karma there, you know, with the passing of Brooks Robinson. I'm sure the BR will be on the sleeves of the Oriole uniforms. If they weren't last night, they will certainly be tonight, or they'll just put a gold glove on their sleeve or something along those lines. Um, So maybe there's some karma there. Baltimore looks like it's going to win the East. They have a a two-and-a-half game lead. The magic number is three to win the American League East, which would give them the best record in the American League and the second or third best record in Major League Baseball. Kind of depends on how the Braves and Dodgers finish. Atlanta, with that improbable win last night, gets to 101. The Dodgers have 97, and the Orioles, with their win last night, have 98 
victories. So I thought there was some of the baseball gods smiling down on the Orioles yesterday on the day of the announcement of the passing of one of their all-time greats, Brooks Robinson. The Orioles go out and win a one nothing game, of course. While he was a good hitter, he was a great fielder, and his signature was certainly defense, and the Orioles had a one nothing win last night. Well, let me just finish up the segment with that, and then we'll get into Damian Lillard in segment two, and maybe A.J. really does have a soundbite of Damian Lillard that we'll hear coming back after the break. There's my challenge for you, A.J. A wild card still to be determined in the American League. It's Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Houston at the moment with Seattle a half game back. So those three teams are basically fighting for two berths. Tampa Bay is clinched. Toronto, Houston, and Seattle with five games to go. Toronto has a game-and-a-half lead on Houston, and Seattle is a half game back. Uh, Their wild-card elimination number is five. So any combination of five Seattle losses, Toronto and Houston wins, would eliminate Seattle from the postseason and would give us the American League reps, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Houston. In the National League, Philadelphia has clinched not only a playoff spot but home field for the wild card series. Arizona and the Cubs are above the line at the moment, and Miami is a half game back, and Cincinnati is a game and a half back. So it's going to come down to two spots for those four teams, Arizona, the Cubs, Miami, and Cincinnati. And what a terrible loss. I mean terrible loss for the Cubs last night to blow not only a 6 nothing lead, but the fly ball that was misplayed in the outfield on a routine can of corn fly ball, as we used to call it, all the time. And the Braves came back from down 6 nothing to win 7-6. All of the other teams involved in the wild card chase won last night. So that made it even worse for the Cubs. I mean, they're hanging on right now but philly won arizona won miami won cincinnati won even san diego won they've almost made this a little bit interesting the padres with a late surge it's going to be too little too late i mean they're four and a half out with five to go so they're going to get eliminated and they're going to be kicking themselves all winter long one of the most underachieving teams of the year and it's probably going to sting them even a little bit more that they're going to actually come this close to being a wild card team and not make it. It would have been one thing if they just waved the white flag, surrendered and faded down the stretch and, you know, finished like Pittsburgh or somebody like that. And they were seven or eight out of the wild card, anything like that. But now they're going to be this close and they can only look back at 162 games. And I'll bet you they could find a handful of those that they should have won that would have put them back into the postseason where they were last year. So it very frustrating year for the San Diego Padres. But anyway, frustrating night for the Cubs. They're still just above the line for the wild card, and they've got five games left to go. Again, between Arizona Cubs, Miami, Cincinnati, those four teams, two of them will join Philadelphia as the wild card teams in the National League. All right, there you go. Uh, That gets us through the first segment. Again, uh, sometimes things don't go, at least as in my mind, they were planned. I really did think we were going to talk NBA and Damian Lillard for the whole first segment. And we wound up not doing that because, as I always offer, if you want to steer this program in a different direction, by all means, do so. And I say that to you, the audience, at 804-327-0888. And I say that to the producer 
AJ, who did take it in a different direction, and I appreciate him for doing that as we celebrate my fills making the postseason. But now we'll get back on course as we head into the rest of the show on the midweek edition of the Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.org. Kudos also to the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that's three of the last four years. Uh, for Milwaukee, they have been very steady. And, you know, yesterday I went through all the lists of managers that might be out on Black Monday coming next week after the end of the Major League Baseball season. Tip of the cap to Craig Council. I think he's one of the under-radar, under-the-radar managers who've been successful and who's been very quietly very good, very solid, very successful in Milwaukee. So congrats also to the Brewers for clinching the National League Central, which they did when the Cubs blew that lead and lost that game to the Atlanta Braves. But it doesn't matter how you get in as long as you do get in. All right, big story this afternoon came from the NBA, the Trailblazers trading Damian Lillard uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks, where he'll team with Giannis. And just like that, it makes the Bucks the prohibitive favorites in the East and certainly the strong favorites to win the NBA title. Portland gets Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tamani Kamara, from Dayton, and then some draft picks are involved in that as well. It turned out to be a three-team deal because Phoenix gets involved, and they get Yusef Nurkic, uh, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson. Uh, I think all this still needs to be made official and the trade consummated and confirmed. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN has been reporting it all afternoon and we will certainly talk more about it when we get to the next segment and i imagine the bat signal is going off somewhere for our resident nba expert bruce to dial us up and let us know what he thinks of the trade and if he too now thinks the milwaukee bucks are the favorite to win not only the east but the nba championship hey we're wide open to talk about that or the baseball playoff races or college football get into some more on virginia and virginia tech um richmond held its weekly media day today no clear answer on who the starting quarterback is going to be yet for saturday's game against hampton at robin stadium two o'clock 130 airtime here on 1061 espn james madison gearing up for another big game against south alabama so we'll get into all of that but we are wide open this afternoon don't do this very often on the midweek edition of the sports auto with no planned guests so be a part of the show interact with us 804-327-0888 that's either on the air or online and i promise you i already have the text page up on my computer so if you text today I'm going to get to it today. And there are a couple that came from Matt's shows or Matt's show this afternoon that I'm going to get to. I don't know if he did or not, but I certainly will as well. All right, there you go. Let's get our first break in. We'll come back. We'll talk some NBA and the big trade today. Yeah, really ahead of the start of the season, which is right around the corner. We'll talk about all that next on the Sports Hour. He pops out, comes off the screen, shooting for three. Gets it back from Watford. Steps back, tough mid-range. Got it. Side outside to Grant. Fakes, hangs, finds Dane. Step back three. Powered it up. Blazers by 10. A burst into the lane. Flushed him with a right hand. Damian Lillard right down the boulevard with a right hand jam. And Trendon. 
Tate with him, sets his feet, leans back for three. Got it. Lillard trying to get open, does a three in his sights. Got it. Tate will sprint out on the sideline to get the rock. High dribble into the lane, running right-hander. 71 points, a career high. Did you hear how many swooshes was in those clips? <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of clanking off the rim going on, was there? No, there wasn't. And that man is going to be playing next to Giannis. Wow. Whatever happened to Miami? Where's our guy Robert Ole? What's he thinking right now? It was all Miami this, Miami that, Miami the other thing. And now he winds up in pretty much the antithesis of Miami, Milwaukee. He was having too good a month. You know, ODU is doing pretty good. Miami's looking like, you know, the the 2000 Rams. God yeah. just couldn't give it all to him, you know? No. And that's nothing. I'm not throwing any shade at Milwaukee. I actually like Milwaukee. It's a very fun city. I really don't like it between November and March. I'll admit that. But uh, Dame will, I imagine. So, look, uh, you played as highlights. But those weren't just highlights. Those were co- co- season-long Right, he, he did this the entire year. Now the seventy-one was different. He did that against the Rockets in in late February, but he averaged thirty-two. He averaged over seven assists per game. Now he only played in fifty-eight games. He didn't play right the last month or so of the season. Um, but now you put him next to Giannis, and I mean they've got to be the prohibitive favorites, right? Oh, but by far. I mean, it. What what I like as a basketball nerd is all the little pieces that are playing around the board. So I like what the Suns got. I'm going to be interested to see if Portland's not going to tank. And really, all that Milwaukee lost was a little bit of perimeter defense when you really, really think about it. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do to sort of make up for losing Holiday. But, I mean, they've got the talent to be fine on defense. Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tamani Kamara. We remember Tamani Kamara because he played for the Dayton Flyers. Um, somewhat in the uh, Obi Toppin era, uh, just a little after him as he finished up at Dayton. And those of us that saw him in the Atlantic 10 thought he was a really, really good player. Um, so we'll see if maybe he's a sneaky good get here by Portland, Portland along with Holiday and Ayton and some draft picks are coming there. Um, You're kind of the Suns is what I'm really interested to see how that's going to work out. The the guys that went to the Suns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah? I think think they needed a little more roundness with that team, and I think they they got the beginnings of it for sure. It'll be interesting. So Damian Lillard played in Portland for better than 10 years, right? 11 years, seven All-Star, seven All-NBA teams, playoffs eight times. That's pretty good stuff right there for a 10, 11-year career, and now he's going to get a change of scenery. AJ, how much do you think he was actually involved in where he was headed and signed off on going? I would think he would be excited to go play with Giannis, and conversely, do you think Giannis was consulted on this major blockbuster deal? Uh, a couple of things. I, I've, I've mostly fan theories, but uh, of course Giannis was consulted. I think... Something happened two and a half weeks ago with Tyler Hero in Miami, and and something made Miami go take Tyler Hero off the table, and that's what sort of gave gave way to the to the Toronto trade. And I think Dame hated that, and so he scrambled or his camp scrambled 
and this was the best deal that could be worked out. That's that's sort of what I think happened. But something weird two and a half weeks ago where I felt like this trade was actually going to happen, and then something happened with Hero, and it all fell apart, I think. And then the Blazers had what? The number two pick, right? They took uh, they yeah. took the Henderson kid, right? Scoot Henderson? Yeah. In, in the draft. So they're, they're, they're stockpiling guards, I guess, in Portland. And I guess uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is already – uh, contemplating the fact that uh, Drew Holiday is not long to be a Portland Trailblazer, that they may just turn around and trade him as well. Which, so. that would be interesting, too, what they're going to flip for that. Uh, mm-hmm. you, Matt was talking today about how the, that they're going to still try and tank. I If Aiton becomes what he was two years ago, this could be interesting. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. But I'll tell you this much, man. With Miami, I like Triple J. The kid that they drafted in the first round, I like him being under Jimmy Butler. This, I kind of like what Miami's got going on. I know Dame was like the big prize, and who's going to score thirty consistently on this team? I, I hear all that, but I, I still like this Miami team. So where does this leave all of the other contenders? You've mentioned Miami and still liking them. What about like, hey, let's not forget the Denver Nuggets are the defending champs, and not, let's not forget the Boston Celtics are pretty solid. Where do you think this leaves everybody else, even if Milwaukee is considered the favorite? Well, I've been saying the Nuggets are the team for three years now, and, and especially when they're healthy. So this this doesn't mean much, except for maybe we'll get a really cool Milwaukee-Denver final, which is, I think, what a lot of us diehards want to see. My question for Boston how are they going to guard this team now? Like, I don't want to jump to the con- conclusion and just move the Bucks up to number one, but Boston really is that number one, number two team, and I don't know how they're going to guard the Milwaukee Bucks now. Huh. Wow. Interesting stuff. And, and do we think um, the basketball is big enough for Giannis and Dame? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. These these two guys are not selfish. Granted, there's this sort of argument that Dane needs the ball, but I, I'm going to be interested to see who facilitates. But I think it's going to be Giannis time, and when and when the defense tries to play against Giannis, they'll bounce to Dame. It'll be Dame taking over the game. Five minutes at a time. And that's the question. Like, there's a couple of teams I think can do something against this team, but how do you guard these guys? It's two different pieces on the court. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff today in the NBA, and it finally happened, just maybe not to the team that we thought it would, and it wound up being a three-team deal um, that gets Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks, now the favorites in the NBA. I, right, I much more you, on that I, to come. What's that, I want Andrew? you I just want you, I want everyone to note how this is going to help Phoenix. I I I think Phoenix sneakily won this trade in a lot of ways. Granted it's not Dame, but Phoenix needs more body on this team. I think I think this is going to help them out. Well, do you think in the immediate it's going to help them out? 100%. I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see what they do. Um I mean, again, they're kind of stacked on scores, so they needed body. They needed rebound. They needed defense. They, uh, I, I, this is the best move that Phoenix could have made. And when I saw who they got, I kind of got excited. Again, it, you know, Dame with with Giannis is the big news. But watch Phoenix be a better team because of this trade. All right. It isn't official just yet, as we said. It came from ESPN, ESPN.com, Adrian Wojnarowski. So Damian Lillard really hasn't commented on this other than a brief terse 
Um, but heartfelt goodbye to the city of Portland in which he tweeted out today, the casuals won't be addressed, but the Trailblazers fans in the city of Portland that I love truly will be, and they will be addressed truthfully. Stay tuned. Excited for my next chapter. Welcome to the world of social media and 2023. We'll see what he has. I still got Denver, Bob. I still got Denver next year, as long as they Uh, stay Okay. Because you have them in a three-year window now, right? Since they won it last year, that oh, yeah. they will be in the conversation, if not in the NBA Finals, the next couple of years, right? Yep. I they lost Aaron Gordon. That I want to see what they do to replace. But outside of that, I love this team. I've loved this team since the bubble. All right. Well, you're rooting for a championship team. You know what I say, though? How hard it is to repeat in any sport. We just talked about that yesterday when it comes to the to the NFL, and I think the same will hold true here in the in the NBA. All right, 4.30 on the Sports Huddle uh, break time. If you'd like to comment on that, by all means, would love your your thoughts, your observations, what it means for your favorite NBA team, what it means for the NBA in general. The Damian Lillard trade today, the Milwaukee Bucks. 804-327-0888. We'll take a pause here at the bottom of the hour. Come back on the other side. Bob Black with you hosting the Sports Huddle. AJ pushing the buttons. And away we go to break on 1061 ESPN. This weekend, the Spiders play host to in-state foe Hampton from the 757. Catch all the action beginning Saturday afternoon at 1.30 here on 1061 ESPN. Your home of the Richmond Spiders in the capital city. Bruce, come out to play. Bruce, come out to play. Bruce, where are you? I got to know about the 76ers. Bob, any thoughts? Well, normally we don't beg for phone calls, but in this case, we make an exception. And we did send up the bat signal, but who knows where Bruce may be. And that bat signal, there are a few places it doesn't reach. He might actually be in one of those places to find out what he thinks the Damian Lillard deal does to his beloved 76ers. I don't call them my beloved 76ers. I'm not going to be uh, two-faced here. I don't, you know, they're not one of my favorites in the city of Philadelphia, certainly behind the Phillies and certainly behind the Eagles and have so much to cheer about with those teams right now. I don't even care what this trade does for Milwaukee as it relates to Philadelphia or any of those other teams. On the on the first hour, Matt threw him under the bus, and, and I've got a lot of, as you know, I've got a lot of Philadelphia people in my life, Lord knows why, and uh, they all just cannot stand what's happening, understandably so, and I, I've been waiting for Bruce's positivity to shine through. Well, it's time for a new owner. I'll say that. Josh Harris has put all of his attention into the Washington Commanders, oh, by the way, in case you hadn't noticed. So he's certainly not spending much time with the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know how much he was truthfully involved with them as the owner anyway, as opposed to the VPs and the general manager and the coach and all that. But it's still not kind of the greatest look in the world right now that he's spending all his time with his beloved Washington commanders, who, by the way, will be in Philadelphia this weekend. That's going to be really interesting. Josh Harris sitting in the visitor's owner's suite at Lincoln Financial Field, don't you think? Right? They they better keep that gray goose away from him. That's all I know. (laughs) They better keep some people away from him as well, I would think. (laughs) 
I like how even he's done. Like poor poor 76ers, man. You guys Boy, what was it? Like, near the end of last year, I was really high on you guys. And, oh, man, like, you guys deserve better. Uh, Thanks. We think we do, too, as a matter of fact. Um, All right. So, speaking of those commanders, they do head to Philadelphia this weekend. On paper, it looks like a mismatch. And I think Matt already said it yesterday. The line is opening at, like, eight and a half for the Eagles. Now, the Eagles have a little bit of a short week because they played – Monday, Jalen Hurts was under the weather, all of that. Uh, They're not going to make any excuses. They'll be ready to go by Sunday at 1 o'clock. And more of a question is how will the commanders try to bounce back from the shellacking that they took at the hands of the Buffalo Bills this past week? And I love this tweet from J.P. Finley um, from NBC Sports Washington or what was NBC Sports Washington. I guess he works for the affiliate now, the NBC Sports affiliate in in D.C., So he's talking about Sam Howell, who had, obviously, a horrible game, the four interceptions, the nine quarterback sacks. And J.P. went back in Sam Howell's college career and looked back to find what he would either subjectively or objectively say was the last bad game that Sam Howell had. And those were very few and very far between in college because he had a terrific college career at North Carolina, and as he went back through the game-by-game log on Sam Howell, he found one in 2021 where he had a loss to Virginia Tech in which he threw one touchdown and three interceptions. So guess what? His very next game, ACC game, was against, yes, the lowly Virginia Cavaliers. Maybe they weren't quite as lowly in 2021 as they are now, But against UVA, five touchdowns, one interception, victory for Carolina over UVA. So it's a little bit of a stretch here by J.P., a little bit. uh, But you do learn things from a guy's college career, particularly big-time college football, which I would argue is the ACC. And as J.P. said in his tweet, dude has the right mentals for a bounce-back game. I would ordinarily agree with that, but... He's going up against the defense. Did you watch that defense on Monday night? They are going to murder him, Bob. <laughs> Badly. You said it, not me. You said it, not me. Put it this way. You know I'm all about Jacoby Brissett coming in, and I've told everyone to be quiet. Sam deserves another shot. And guess what? He deserves another shot after this week. This week doesn't count because he's getting murdered no matter what. <laughs> well, I hope you're right. But objectively, I'd say, wow, I hope he has a bounce-back game and, and all that. And just scrolling through some of J.P.'s uh, quotes because he's been at practice and he has an opportunity to talk to these guys and everything. So he quoted Sam Howe, and, and, you know, everything he's saying is right. But to your point, A.J., uh, it may not matter. I don't think the Eagles' defensive line and linebackers are reading the quotes, quite honestly. Bob, if Uh, they don't run the ball, man, like if they don't run the ball, that kid is done. He is, but I think the running backs are going to get stuffed also. Maybe not as bad. And they're due for a breakout game at some point. And I love Brian Robinson. I even like Antonio Gibson. Um, but they haven't gotten going. Not not to the extent that they will need to Sunday. And I'm trying not to be overly uh, uh, pompous, maybe. Uh, Philadelphians have been known to be that before. But I don't want to be that because I do kind of like this commander's team just not enough to say they're going to really compete in this game in Philadelphia. And here's the other thing. I, I think the Eagles and their fans will certainly remember the loss 
that Washington put on them in the regular season in Philadelphia last year. I'm yeah. just saying. I I don't blame I don't blame the running backs. I I blame this play calling and if they don't if they don't try to if there's not 11 or 12 runs in the first 20 plays, this team is getting creamed. And it will get creamed either way, but I'm just saying like they need <laughs> to establish the run. It's getting ridiculous. So Sam Howell said that I can't make excuses that I'm young. The scoreboard doesn't care. That's a great line. I'll give him that. He he wins the press conference. I don't think he's going to win the game. I don't think he's going to win the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, he said he's got to get the ball out faster. Uh, I think that's accurate. I think a lot of observers of that nine-sack game said, look, that's not all on the offensive line, that Sam Howe's got to make quicker, better decisions and get rid of the ball. He went on to say, we have so many good wide receivers and playmakers that, yeah, I want to get them the ball, but I try to go through my progressions and go where it's open. Well, sometimes you just got to go to that first guy. And I said this about, uh, and I, this is comparing apples to oranges. I said this about Kyle Wickersham early at Richmond when the same thing was happening to the Spiders, right? They had, uh, what was it, 12 quarterback sacks in the first two weeks of the season. One of those games was against an FBS in Michigan State. But I was like, you just got to trust your wide receivers that they're going to be where they're supposed to be on their route and just put the ball there and then make them go get it. Make them win a 50-50 ball. They're talented. They're good. They practice every day. And get the ball out of your hand so that you're not getting sacked that many times. Uh, last quote from Sam Howe. It's tough to hang your head on anything concrete beyond he's young and can improve. Needs to happen quick. That was actually Neil Greenberg from the Washington Post talking about Sam Howe. Uh, and we've had Neil on this program uh, several times before. I think all of that is true. He's young. He can improve. It needs to happen quick. That'll be the next litmus test for Sam Howe will be to see if he can make those kind of improvements quickly, week after week, against different NFL teams and different NFL defenses and different NFL defensive coordinators. It's a, it is. It's a whole different ball game than at the college level. But uh, I really did like J.P. Finley uh, coming out with that uh, Virginia Tech-UVA comparison from back in his college days when he had the uh, terrible game against the Hokies starting in 2021 and then bounced back with five touchdowns and interception in a win over UVA. All right, speaking of Tech and UVA, uh, I think that quarterback discussion needs to continue, and I want to get into that, and the Richmond one as well, because we didn't learn a whole lot more today, maybe a little bit, about the Spiders' uh, injury-embattled quarterback situation. So why don't we talk about all of that in our segment leading up to 5 o'clock. Quarterbacks at Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Richmond. Quarterbacks normally consume an awful lot of airtime. They will in the next segment of the Sports Huddle. The Braves have officially clinched a sixth straight NL East crown. Up next the postseason and we will have it here on your home for the atlanta braves 1061 espn richmond i can always remember the late great hall of fame coach of the virginia cavaliers george welsh when there were media opportunities and there were quarterback questions and he'd get peppered by the media 
about the quarterback and George in that snarly kind of tony voice, nasally voice would just blurt out, why is everybody asking me about the damn quarterback? Why doesn't somebody ask me about the left tackle? And then he would proceed to talk about the left tackle. <laughs> and I think that's about where we're at uh, with Virginia and with Virginia Tech and maybe with Richmond. Now, here was the great thing about George Welsh. If I get off on a tangent for just a moment, um, I respected the heck out of him. And obviously, Virginia football was at its heights when he, he was their coach. But from a media perspective, if you asked Coach Welsh a good question, or what he deemed to be a good question. Look, it was his opinion. He was answering the question. But if you asked what he deemed to be a good question, you'd get a hell of an answer. You would get a great answer. If you asked a question that annoyed him or he thought was a dumb question, you wouldn't get much of an answer, if at all. And you might even get chastised a little bit. And I think that's that was kind of fair, uh, at least back in those days uh, with, with Coach Welsh and his team's were were terrific. They, Virginia football was, um, you know, out, outstanding, certainly to say the least, in his era. All right, so let let's talk quarterbacks a little bit. We're we're going to talk about the damn quarterback. Um, and I'm with Matt, or Matt is with me because I've been mentioning this since Monday at Virginia. Now, look, we don't know the inner happenings of what's going on there, what it would do to the quarterback room, what it might do to the offense, to the team, uh, any of that. And look, they're all in four. Things can't get, you know, too much worse than what they have to this point. But I just I'm of the belief that Anthony Calandria needs to be the quarterback now and moving forward. Um, look, Tony Musket, uh, I, you know, Maybe he won the job in August. He gets hurt in the Tennessee game, so you have a very small sample size for him, right? He's coming from an FCS. It's not like he's been at Virginia for five years. I'm not saying you don't owe him something and something for his loyalty and for coming to Virginia in the first place and all of that, but when you got a kid like Calandria who you've recruited, he's your guy. You want him to be your guy for four years, maybe for five. Remember, even if he plays through this season, if something happens, he can still redshirt another year and have his five years at UVA. But I, I just think he's provided some excitement, some good, some not so good, that I'd be, I'd be giving him the ball the rest of the way. So he is 63 of 102, so that's 62% completion rate. He's over 230 yards per game. He's thrown five touchdowns. He's rushed for another 49 yards or so. Of course, he's had his share of sacks, um, and he's been intercepted six times. So, yeah, it's some up and down, and it's kind of, those kind of look like freshman quarterback numbers, to be honest with you. And I think you just got to let him go. Uh, again, sorry, Tony, it, it, you got hurt, didn't work out. Um, if there's an opportunity, we'll get you back in there, keep competing. You know, Calandria could go in the opposite direction, right? You could keep him at quarterback, and and he might turn sideways. And then Tony Musket's your guy. I, I just think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this thinking. And I'm certainly not trying to think like a coach necessarily, um, but if there had been another guy there that had been in my program a few years and he got hurt, I, I might be more leaning towards going back to him if he was my guy. 
I just think in this case, especially with a freshman, you got a guy who you could cultivate and, you know, transfer portal notwithstanding, could be there for four years as your starting quarterback. I think it's it's time to, to lengthen the leash and, and let him go. So I'm in the camp of Calandria should be the starting quarterback at Virginia, just as I think Chiron Drones at this point needs to be the starting quarterback at Virginia Tech. I'm probably not quite as adamant about that one as I am about UVA. Uh, Grant Wells has certainly done his time at Virginia Tech and certainly still deserves the opportunity. And these guys, you know, they've both had a chance – to play drones more than wells but their numbers are relatively similar you know wells has thrown for a few more yards certainly has thrown for more touchdowns drones has rushed for more yards and scored more touchdowns on the ground i'm just looking at the stat sheet at the moment and again eventually it will come down to who do the coaches think gives them a better chance to win because both of these coaches have to start winning i don't think either one of them is on the hot seat this year necessarily but i think next year becomes boy i hate to be in the ron rivera camp here where he called year three you know that crossroads year but i think it's becoming that at virginia tech again i'm giving virginia i'm slowing them down just a little bit because of what they went through last year however before they went through what they went through last year the critical decision to try to make brennan armstrong their kind of quarterback the Clemson offense kind of quarterback that Tony Elliott was bringing with him, as opposed to letting Brendan Armstrong be the Brendan Armstrong quarterback, um, that's a difficult decision to ignore. And then last week, the three penalties, difficult to ignore. So things are starting to pile up on Tony Elliott. But I'm willing to kind of hold back on him a little bit more, give him a little bit more breathing room, uh, a little bit more time to move forward, not move on, move forward past the tragedy of last year. Um, So, again, I don't think either one of them is on a hot seat for this year. I think as next year unfolds, that will start to become part of the conversation if things don't improve in either Charlottesville or Blacksburg. All right, those are my thoughts on Virginia and Virginia Tech's quarterbacks. I think it should be Drones at Virginia Tech and Calandria at Virginia. And it really doesn't matter who you think it should be at Richmond. We'll talk about this on the other side of the top of the hour. It really doesn't matter who you think it should be. It's a matter of who it could be at Richmond. Like, who's healthy enough to play at this point? Who's getting the reps during the week of practice? And then we're going to put somebody in there at quarterback. Uh, And I'm not sure we got a definitive answer today. I was out at practice. Coach Usman talked about it a little bit in post-practice media session. And I imagine we'll get into it a little bit more on Behind the Web tomorrow at noon from the Brass Tap over there at Libby Mill Midtown from noon until 1. But I'll give you a few more thoughts and observations from what I saw and heard at Spider Practice today and after practice at the media session after the ESPN Sports Center update, which is coming up right now at the top of the hour. And then we're back with the 5 o'clock hour of the midweek Wednesday edition of the Sports Huddle. AJ's producing this afternoon. Bob Black with you here. Thanks for joining us. Whether you're finishing up work and just getting in the car or you've been with us for the entire hour, we take you up until 6 o'clock with the Sports Huddle right here on 1061 ESPN.
catch up on the latest sports updates with